0: Welcome to the Women's Bible Study Podcast, a ministry of Sheridan House. We continue today in the series Reflection, A Study of Philippians. If you missed any part of this series, you can find it and others online at sheridanhouse.org backslash WBS. We hope you enjoy today's lesson. Well, today we are discussing um, the lesson on the top of your, your book. You'll see that says Reflecting Perseverance. Isn't that a great word? Perseverance, wow. And um, so we're gonna be talking about that. And it's so interesting that um, as we here at Sheridan House are preparing for the 5K, a race, um, just, yeah. And, yeah, woo, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, anyway, as we're preparing for that, um, we are um, also getting ready in a few months, few weeks really, to do the Goliath gauntlet, a mud run. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. I mean, what in the world, who in heaven's name would want to go through mud and everything else to run a race? (laughs) Who would want to get mud under your fingernails, please? I mean, really? (laughs) But um, anyway, as we're doing that, as we're talking, how appropriate that Paul is talking about perseverance in the race, because that's what we're thinking about here. Now, um, last year, what was particularly fun about that Goliath Gauntlet, the mud race, was that our 10-year-old grandson, reuben that's him, is he gorgeous or what? <laughs> Never mind the mud. <laughs> but anyway, he participated with his daddy, and uh, it was just so fun to see him taking on some of these incredible obstacles. And climbing, climbing, climbing. That one, you, I think you needed a rope to get up that far. Then you go through those tubes into the water again. Wha- there are women that do this. Any of you ever done these? Oh, boy. Laura? <laughs> oh, that's... Yeah, the ice bath. Oh, my. Uh, anyway... So he was doing that, and then he had to go through tires and the water thing and everything. And the intensity of the straining of watching him do some of these things was both painful and a source of pride for Grandma to see him going forward. This is what Paul is talking to us about. He is talking, he is using athletic turns to describe victory straining to make the obstacles of walking with the Lord. So how perfect it is for us as we've been thinking and you know being silly and all that about the 5K and then with the uh, mud run coming up. So as we begin today we're going to take a look how are we to get that focus? How are we to get that that perseverance in the in spite of obstacles that every single one of us Are going to have in our lives. So first on your outline, we are encouraged to reach for the prize, encouraged to reach for the prize. There is a great quote in your homework by Winston Churchill where he says, never, never, never give up. And then the the rest of the um, quote is in there. But I love that. I've always loved that quote because sometimes, you know, we can just kind of dangle our hands down and say, you know what, I've just had enough. I'm just going to get a cup of coffee and sit in the corner and just be. And sometimes we feel that way. And this whole idea of never, 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 never give up. Persevere in this race is what he is saying. And I love that quote. And just like an athlete performing in a 5K or, or a mud run or any other athletic event, there are three ingredients that we need to succeed in the Christian life, just like in a race or an athletic event. Now, A, on your outline, what are the three ingredients we need to run? First of all, number one, concentration. Keeping your eye on the finish. Never to the left or the right. Um, when, when you're when you're on a track field, if you're running, you know, um, a track, you want to keep your eyes. I've got to get to that goal. I've got to finish. I've got to persevere. I've got to get to the end. So that's the first one, concentration. Number two, rid yourself of anything slowing you down. You know, it's so interesting. I don't do the gauntlet, <laughs> but I'm there. And it's just interesting to watch the different athletes and when, what they wear, for goodness sake. Um <laughs> Or maybe I should say what they don't wear. No, no. no. Um, anyway, <laughs> don't tell them I said that, okay? But anyway, wh- the point is they wear very tight clothes so that they're not an obstruction. So they don't have flapping shirts, you know, and all those kinds of things. They're very, very slim-fitting things not to um, slow them down. They don't want anything to slow them down. They want to get through that, that race. Three, number three point. Put forth continual effort to win and get over the obstacles. The athletes are straining forward, every muscle rippling as they tackle the challenge. We will elaborate on those points as we go along. As we go through, we're going to go through um, the Ds of perseverance. And it kind of elaborates those. But those are the three main points that we want to think about. But before talking about winning the way race, Paul switches gears, and be on your outline, before winning, we need to take inventory of ourselves. We need to take inventory of ourselves. Um, I don't think that is necessary. You know, th- necessarily something that we just do naturally, like, okay, I need to look at myself, see how I'm doing here. I don't think we do that naturally, do you? What do you think we do naturally? Look at each other. Look at each other. Say, hmm... So she's been a Christian for how long, and she's acting like that? (laughs) Or, you know, behaving that way? It's easy for us to look out there. Not as easy to look in here. And Paul is telling us to put those energies of looking at other people and evaluating them, put those energies into evaluating your own walk. Now, I know that it's almost the last day. How many days in January? January. 31, okay, so we're just two days away from the end of January, but still, isn't January a great month to kind of think through, evaluate, Um, you know, when I put all the Christmas things away and sweep up the pine needles, which I used to do not anymore because now I have a fate tree, but anyway, um, (laughs) just sweep up the mess from Christmas and throw the wrapping paper messes away and all those kinds of things, it's kind of that feeling of freshness. And I miss it all, but I also love the freshness because it's an opportunity to begin to focus on clean and fresh and new. We are not only in a new year, we're in a new decade, aren't we? 2020, amazing, yeah. So we have an opportunity to run the race before us and to press on in the training Uh, session. How how to train for this run. So as we take inventory, as we're self-analyzing, as we're looking in, okay, what Lord can I, where do I want, where do you want me to advance this year? What are some areas I need to kind of clean up? Uh, Attitudes, actions, all those kinds of things. But as we talk about that, as we're taking inventory, next on your outline, what are the five D's of winning the race? The five D's that describe those inv- uh, uh, ingredients that we just talked about, those three ingredients, concentration, rid yourself, put forth continual effort. What are the, the five D's that really define or describe those three concentrations? First one, number one, dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction. But let me hasten to say what we're going to be dissatisfied about. Paul says, let's uh, turn with me to Philippians 3, 12, and the beginning of 13, and I love it the way he describes it in the NIV version. He says this, Not that I have already obtained all this, or who have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, never, never, never give up, press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So Paul is looking into his life and saying, you know what, number one, I have not arrived. I have not arrived. He has not achieved everything he ought to have achieved. He wants to deepen his love for God. He hasn't taken a hold of it yet, he says totally. He's working on it. He's making progress, but he hasn't totally taken a hold of it yet. And so, he says, number two, he had changed his perspective. We talked a lot about that last week. There was a time, remember, when he was so proud of his accomplishments. Remember we talked about that last week. You know, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Oh, my goodness, he knew all the laws and the rules, and he did the very best he could possibly do to keep them so he could be righteous in front of God. He, he loved that about himself, proud of it. Talked about his pedigree, his accomplishments, all those things, and, and, and he, at that point, he was really, felt pretty good about himself. But now he realizes that he had not arrived yet. He had not arrived yet. He had not arrived because the things he used to think were important are not. Human, worldly standards are not important. He knew he had not arrived because his perspective on the things that were important had changed. When he became a believer, he said, oh my goodness, all that stuff is rubbish. In fact, he said that exactly, didn't he? He said, um, everything else is like garbage, (laughs) he said. Mm -hmm. Trash. He actually said, excuse me, dung. Not very ladylike word to be floating around here, but that's what he said. (laughs) And uh, so he began to evaluate himself uh, as a believer, now he compared himself to the Lord and he sees his deep imperfections. When I look at Jesus, oh my goodness, <laughs> I am nowhere, he says. All those, you know, all, all the, the accomplishments, all of the um, pedigree and all those things from a world standpoint that I thought were so important, pff, they're nothing as I compare myself to the Lord and his perf- pers- uh, his perfection. And that is part of the purpose for painting that glorious picture of the Lord Jesus in chapter 2. Remember that beautiful, it's I think one of the most beautiful descriptions of the Lord in all of the New Testament where he described Jesus in, in chapter 2 of how he left his glory and came to earth and took on, yikes, human form and all that he went through. He, he's describing the glory and the magnificent of who, magnificence of who our Savior is. And then when we compare ourselves, wow. It helps us know just how needy we really are. You know, last week, <coughs> um, we, Bob talked about, and showed pictures of that single mom that was had been living in her car, remember? And had been moved into a hotel, and that she needed to be out of the hotel by the weekend because all of the Super Bowl people were coming in. And so they, staff, Began to you know kind of put their heads together. We prayed about it. Those of you who are in urgent prayer, you got to request. Many of you prayed about that. Let me tell you something. As they were trying to figure out what to do for this uh, young mom with her two chil- two small children, we had people that would say, "Hey, let us help." You know, we we know you know somebody from the water thing, and you know, and, and we began to put our heads together. What what are some things that we can do to Hurry up, the CEO for this young mom, and all of a sudden, staff said, "You know what? Let's lift up Jesus. Let's pray. Let's ask Him to intervene. He's the great one. Has nothing to do with what we can come up, you know, of plans and how we can do. This. Let's let's just give it to Jesus." And began to pray. You all prayed tonight that mom and her two children are moving into the triplex. Oh, yeah. In fact, Kim, Kim Weber, office staff, is over there right now lining the drawers so that they can begin to bring their clothes over tomorrow, and then they will have their first night tomorrow night sleeping. Wow. Um, Who is it? Who are we lifting up? Who's able? Who can do it? who hears our prayers? Wow, the great and mighty Lord Jesus. Wow, that is what Paul is saying to us. We need to lift up Jesus, lift ourselves down, learn more and more about who our Savior is. Wow, wow. Number three, He is working toward maturity. He's saying, you know, first of all, he's changed his perspective, number two. You know, it's not about me and my accomplishments. It's like thinking about Jesus and his strength and the magnificence of who he is. And then number three, he is working toward maturity. In the ESV version, he says in Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. He says, you know what, I am... I, I'm, I'm not working toward perfection. That will happen in heaven. Isn't that wonderful news? I can't wait. That's one of the things I cannot wait the most about heaven is putting aside all these bad attitudes and yeah. bad decisions and stupid things I do and say sometimes. Ah, oh, I'm so over it. Are you over it? Amen. Yes. Ugh. And he's saying, you know, I'll never be perfect till I get to heaven. But... I am desiring to grow and mature and become more and more like the perfect Jesus that I described in chapter 2. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I want to get better. I want to mature. No, I'm not going to get perfect, but um, I'm going to keep taking steps toward what I will look like in heaven someday. You know, a while ago, I found a, a tree in our yard that had tiny green lemons on it. I didn't even know it was a lemon tree. That will show you what a green thumb I do not have. Those of you who love grow and all, I mean, I thought it was a shrub in the side of the yard until all of a sudden I saw these little green things. And um, and that's kind of the picture here, that hopefully we'll begin to see tiny green buds that turn into little tiny um, fruit that begins to grow, 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 grow every year, we want to get those tiny little green lemons to get bigger, 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 so that we can look more and more like what we're going to look like someday. Not complete, but growing. Fruit is happening. That's what our Uh, uh, what we want to do. My attitude is better today than it was yesterday. Oh, thank goodness. You know, or boy, comparing to last year, oh, when I was struggling so much with that, I'm doing better, I'm doing better. I'm seeing that fruit's getting bigger, 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 and that's the idea here. This is what Paul is encouraging himself and us to do as he writes these verses. So, because he's seeing some signs, I see some maturing happening, see some fruit happening, and it's getting bigger. He's saying, (coughs) because I see these Signs, number four, he will press on. Press on, he says in verse 12. Keep working, another version says. His goal is for that fruit to become fully mature. Then he goes on to say something very interesting. I press on to take hold of that which Jesus took hold of me. Wow, that sounds, let me say that again. Is that kind of a strange wording? I press on to take hold of that which Jesus took hold of me. What does that mean? A very unusual phrase. Literally, in the original language, it says, I am pursuing that I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of. Now, that's terrible English. Any of you English teachers out there, whoa, that's not good. But in Greek, it makes sense. And basically, what he is saying is, Paul, I want to lay hold of what Jesus has laid hold of him for. Now, what was the first thing that Jesus laid hold of him for? Heaven. heaven. So that he could live in heaven with, with Jesus. He, the Lord so wants, and I, this is really hard to wrap our human minds around, that he wants us so much to live with him eternally that he would come <coughs> and become a man and die a criminal's death so that we can spend eternity with him. Wow, isn't that just almost so mind-boggling that we, it it just, wow. But that's only part of the picture. Yes, ultimately, he's laying hold of him so that we can have eternity with him, but God also has a purpose for all of us while here. While we're here, he has purpose for us. Ephesians 2.10 says this, we are his workmanship. Another version says masterpiece. I love that. Thinking of myself as an art piece, I like that. <laughs> anyway, masterpiece, workmanship, <coughs> created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. Now, the word beforehand, the implication is that before time itself even began, he knew Bonnie, he knew Chisato san. He knew me. He knew that he had something for us to do for the kingdom's sake. Every one of us, we have something that we're to be doing for kingdom's sake. That's just such an incredible thought. Before we were even born, before our parents were born, before life began itself, he had a plan for each of us to be a part of the kingdom work. Wow, Paul is saying that he wants to get on with what God had chosen for him to do, what he had been laid hold of for. Now, in the King James Version, it's very interesting, the word is apprehended or arrested. So he's saying, okay, God arrested me to do something. And so I want to be about that. As I'm growing and thank you, Jesus, I'm starting to see some fruit in my life and I'm I'm making progress there in my walk with you and my attitudes are changing and all those kinds of things. But meanwhile, as I'm seeing uh, uh, progress, I want to be about what God has chosen for me to do, what he saved me to do besides be with him eternally. What a challenge for us to sit down with an open Bible and an open heart and say, you know, how am I doing, Lord? First of all, am I fruitful? Is the fruit in my life ripening? And am, am I fulfilling the purpose that you plan for me? Purpose that you have planned for me. So the first D is dissatisfaction, wanting more of Christ in my life, wanting more fruit in my life. I am, not, I am dissatisfied with where I am today. I want to be better tomorrow. I want to be better next month, next year, and so forth. So the first D, dissatisfaction. Counting more fruit for Christ's sake. Next D, B, devotion. Devotion. This passage speaks of energy, diligence, and discipline toward this purpose that God has for me. Yes, the Holy Spirit energizes us, as we learned earlier, but this passage is challenging us to put all our efforts toward being all that God wants me to do and be. Putting my efforts the best I can. I, you know, I don't have much as a human being, but thankfully he sent the Holy Spirit to give me strength to do some of those things. But meanwhile, I don't just sit back and say, okay, let it happen, Holy Spirit. I need to get out there and do my part and work diligently for all of that to come forward in my life. Devotion to the one thing. Philippians uh, the 13th verse, beginning, says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Paul's challenging us to put all our strength and effort toward one going go, goal. He said, I'm doing one thing. Only one thing matters, one focus, one place to put all your efforts. Jesus himself self said that one, uh, the one thing should be, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. That's the first thing that we're supposed to be doing, the most important thing. Number one, through Identification. So often, you know, as Christian women, we get so busy doing this and that and this and that. Jeanette talked about that so beautifully during small group time. You know, oh, I was trying doing this at the church and that at the church and this and this and this and this. And God is saying, find your main thing. Find your one thing and concentrate. Yes, those of us who are mothers, grandmothers, aunts, beloved adopted aunts, whatever we are, our, ch- our children, our families, absolutely, first focus. but after that, what do you have for me to do, Lord? What is my job description? What is the one thing, one purpose that I need to go after? Uh, Psalms 27:4 said, "One thing that I've desired of the Lord that I will seek at that I will seek after. Um, how many of you have heard of D.L Moody? Oh yeah, I'm sure almost everybody. Uh, he began Moody Bible Institute. He was a great evangelist of a former era. And um, it was an amazing story that there was a great fire, this is not a story truth, historical fact, that there was a great fire in Chicago in 1871 and before that, that fire, he had been involved in all kinds of things. He was involved in Sunday school promotion. And he was involved in the, uh, the um, YMCA and evangelistic meetings and all kinds of Christian things all over the place. Just, just totally involved in anything that had anything to do with Jesus. Just so busy, 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 busy. But after the fire, which destroyed thousands of buildings, killed an estimated 300 people, left more than um, 100,000 homeless, and caused an estimated $2 million. That was in 1871. That's a lot of money back there, right? Back then. Um, In those damages, he concluded to focus exclusively on evangelism. He was saying... YMCA, great cause. Sunday school promotion, great cause. This, 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 great causes. But let that be somebody else's number one focus. My focus is going to be evangelism. As a result, millions came to Christ by the multiplication factor. Now, I don't believe, maybe he did (laughs) speak to a million people back in the day, but what happened was as he won people to the Lord in an evangelism um, effort, they then would go to their families and friends and, and begin to win people. And then they would go and win people. And so he affected thousands upon thousands and then up into the millions of people because of his one focus. This is what God has called me to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going I'm going to be involved in evangelism. There are many... There are very few athletes that have many, 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 many great sports efforts. I, I said that in a crazy way, but you know what I'm trying to say. You know, rarely do you have a, you know, a tennis pro also be a football player. Now, some of them may be athletic and do a great job, better than we could ever do, and all that kind of thing. But you notice how most great athletes that are famous athletes are focused on one thing you know, it's, it's. are you a football man? <laughs> are you a basketball player? Are you, you know, what is it? And that's kind of the idea here. Identify the area that God has called me to, the one thing, and get on with it. Grow and get on with what we are to do. Number two, through focus. That was a, um, <clears throat> It's been so incredible to watch these athletes who compete in that mud run, their persistence. They don't get, you know, if they don't get over that curved wall the first try, they get back down, do it again, do it again, do it again. And then sometimes people will reach down and say, hey, let me help you up and pull them up and all that kind of thing. But one of the, the key things about this mud run is, that, is their perseverance of keeping on, keeping on as they get to an obstacle of I'm going to get through this thing. I'm going to go. Even the ice bath or whatever that thing is. Yeah. Who in the world wants to do that? Wow. <laughs> there was one woman that we heard about last year that had a very, very so- sore foot. Her foot became very sore about midway through the race. And after the race, she found out she had a broken foot but she kept right on going. I'm gonna, I, oh, yeah, my foot hurts, but pfft, I'm going to keep going. Wow. What kind of determination is that? It is the same with us. If we are to excel in what God has for us to win the victory, then we need to concentrate on it. We need to focus. We need to say, this is what God has called me to do. I need to do this. We must determine to let the Holy Spirit have liberty to mold and sculpt us into more and more the image of Jesus. A, a little while ago, as I was uh, preparing this lesson, Bob got some news that um, that would have had a, a huge impact on an ancillary ministry of Sheridan House that he was involved in. And we prayed and realized, you know what? The way I react to this and handle this news was really important for his focus on the main thing. If he got all whacked out and, oh, my goodness, blah, blah, and phone calls and all that, no, I just need to pray about it and respond in a way that would honor Jesus. That's how I need to respond to this. He needed the Holy Spirit to mold and sculpt him to handle and respond in a way that was God-directed, not human response. Less and less Bob, more and more Jesus. Less and less Rosemary, more and more Jesus. You put your name in there. What is our focus? Are we allowing the Lord to, hel- hel- to handle those circumstances that we get in. How do we do that? See, through the next D, direction, direction. Look at verse, the end of verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The direction is forward and up, forward and up. Um, you know, it's very popular to unravel our past. But yes, Jackie, aren't I right? Sometimes it helps us to kind of say, okay, what, you know, what are some patterns here? What, you know, where did this come from? And and all those kinds of things. Yes, it is healthy sometimes to go back and say, hmm, what's this all about? But we need to be balanced. Notice the verse says, forgetting what is behind. Number one, forgetting our past. Forgetting our past. The biblical terminology for to forget does not mean to fail to remember. We can most certainly, however, learn from our mistakes, can't we? We can learn from those things. We, we don't want to forget them, and the, uh, you know, uh, we will never forget them. But what we want to do is not be burdened by them, and you know, just, oh my goodness, I just am such a loser, I'm such a failure, I did this, did that, did this, and not be able to move on in life. Uh, the, uh, it's, it becomes very clear um, from Hebrews 10, 17, that says, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I love the way that's put. I am choosing, God is saying, he's talking about God, I am choosing not to remember their sins and iniquities. Now, does God's mind, is he able to forget anything? No, but he's choosing not to remember, and that's the the same attitude that we need to take um, we need to to make sure that yes, all of us have moments of disappointment and failure. somebody in our small group uh, meeting, uh, Pam, I think it was, was saying, "Oh my goodness, goodness sake, he was part of martyring Christians. He had to put that down. He had to that. He had to move away from that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the guilt of becoming a Christian?" And, and knowing that you were part of martyring other Christians, wow. And yet, what does he say? I'm moving on. I, I'm not going to be burdened by my past, he is saying. You know, I was thinking about, again, thinking about those athletes that go over these obstacles. Can you imagine if they had backpacks on their backs that were full of rocks? And they're trying to get through the mud run and, you know, the ice bath thing and you know the bent walls with these massive backpacks on. Sometimes we do that. We try and deal with life with these backpacks. We're, he's calling us to forget our past. Take the backpack off. Lay it at the foot of the cross and say thank you Jesus. You took this for me. I want to learn from this but I don't want to carry it around with me. I don't want to repeat bad behavior. But I want to, I don't want it to weigh me down anymore. Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far are your transgressions removed from me. God is saying he's choosing to no longer hold our sins against us. He's chosen to forgive them because of Jesus. We need to do the same thing. We need to forgive ourselves. Not forget, learn, but not but forgive ourselves. Also, number two, forget our successes. Forget our successes. Remember earlier in last week's lessons, he started listing all those things. We talked about that just a minute ago, and he said, you know, that stuff was trash. It was garbage. It was something that you throw out to the ravaging dogs out there. Wow, he's saying. All my successes, credentials, accomplishments, when we look over our shoulder, we're choosing to focus um, on When we don't look over our shoulder, we're choosing to focus on the goal which we are striving for. For striving to look at that goal, where I want to be, growing, becoming more fruity, whatever that is, as I'm focusing on that, I'm going to leave the past in the past. I'm going to leave the past in the past. I don't want to look over uh, my shoulder. When um, Bob Bob was in in college, he was um, part of the track team, And he ran the hurdles. And one day at a track meet, he was doing the hurdles, and he was doing very well. He was really up front there and um, just, you know, running, 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 and jumping over the hurdle or whatever you do over hurdles, just getting over (laughs) it, whatever. (laughs) You tell how athletic I am. (laughs) And um, so all of a sudden, you know, he was up front, and all of a sudden he sees this person kind of coming up next to him, and he turned and looked. And the guy looked at him and went, and Bob was so distracted that he tripped over the hurdle and went down. That was the end of the race for him. The other man, however, to the end, and guess what? His name was Richmond Flowers. I don't know if that name is familiar to anybody, but he ended up being an Olympic hurdler, And Bob thought he was going to beat him at one point. <laughs> <laughs> but don't be looking to the left or the right. Keep your focus ahead. Keep your focus up. Keep your, f- your focus on the track. Keep your focus on what God has called you to. Keep your focus on becoming fruity. Keep your focus on, I want to be better today than I was before. I want to keep my focus on the one thing that I need to be doing with my life for Christ's sake. Wow. Which brings us to letter D, determination. Warren Wearsby said this: a man doesn't become a, a winning athlete by listening to lectures, watching movies, reading books, or cheering at games. He becomes a winning athlete by getting into the game and determining to win. You don't sit and learn about, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, just read a book on, you know, whatever. He's saying, you got to get in there. you got to go for it. you got to work at it. Um, Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, there are two extremes. Number one, we can respond in two ways that we need to be very careful of. First A on your outline, I must do it all. I must do it all. I, I need to get everything right in my own strength. That's the way Paul felt early on, isn't it? Me, my pedigree, my accomplishments, my looking at the laws and the rules and all those kinds of things. Um, look at what I've accomplished. I can do it all was a prideful response. But there's another response that also is not healthy um, that we need to be very careful of, and that's be on your outline. God must do it. Now that sounds like, wow, that, that sounds right, doesn't it? Um, that, but that would be like throwing up my hands and saying, you know what, I'm not gonna, I don't need to do anything at all. I'm just going to sit on my rocking chair on the porch and just you know, drink my coffee and say, God, hey, I can't do it anyway, so have at it. <laughs> we sometimes have that attitude, don't we? And both of them, both extremes actually are not biblical. The correct approach, number two, is this. God works in us as he works through us. He works in us as he works through us. Philippians uh, 4.13, which we're going to be studying later on, says this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not, oh, I can do it all, or oh, God will do it all. No, it's I can do all things through him who strengthens me. As we relinquish to his strength, we can do what he has called us to do. How do we do that? How do we face our tasks? We pray, we digest the word, and we ask for empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, when Jesus left earth, he said he was gonna send the Holy Spirit. And when we believed in him, you, uh, holy uh, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to give us, to be our helper, he said, our counselor, to come alongside, to help us, help us, help us. Um, and so we need to ask for that empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I have a task before me. I know it's from you. I need to know I need to do it. And I'm asking that you would strengthen me to be able to do what I need to do for your sake. Last D, discipline. E on your outline, discipline. The verses 15, 16. Let those of us who are mature. Think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. We need to keep running that race with discipline, determination, to do it in a way that is biblical and pleasing to the Lord, doing our part to listen, to keep in shape. Oh boy. (laughs) Following the Lord's direction and keeping the main thing the main thing and... If we think there will come a time when we can retire from running the race that God has put us before, that God has put before us, that we can ease up and sit on those rocking chairs on our porches, guess what? No. Until Jesus calls us home, we have work to do. We have the one thing that we need to pursue. We need to be running that race with determination. As long as we have breath, We need to be doing the one thing that God has called us to do, don't we? Absolutely. We need to be available for what God has for us in every season of our life. Now, it might change complexion a little bit. Our one thing might be a little different from, you know, a, a different era or a different season of our life. But whatever it is, I need to be moving forward. Never, never, never give up. Kent Hughes, great commentator, said this May we all die running for and with Jesus. May my last breath be as I am focusing on doing the one thing that God has given me to do. Uh, Again, the D's dissatisfaction. I've not arrived. I want to progress. Thank you, Jesus. I see some things going on that are good in my life. I want to keep on going on. Devotion to one thing. Direction. Focus on what is ahead from God. Determination to run the race with God working in us and through us. And then discipline. Never, never, never quitting until God uh, calls us home. Until he calls us home. Wow. How do we do that? Here's how we do that. We reach out daddy's hand. We reach out and grab the hand of our father. We reach out and grab the hand of our heavenly father to give us strength, to give us courage, to give us determination, to give us the ability to get up the obstacle that may have come along our, uh, into our life, but we need to grab a hold of our dad's hand. Abba father, daddy. Wow.